It was a simple Raggedy Ann doll given to a young woman on her birthday. Its unusual behavior first elicited amusement that quickly turned to horror. Was the soul of a child, or worse, a demon trapped inside? Or is the most sinister part of the story the truth about the consulting demonologists at the heart of The Conjuring films? This week's episode is Annabelle the Doll Revisited. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinister I'm gonna kill you. Well, hello. Usually I get a hello back from my best friend and my podcasting partner, but alas, today it is just me by myself. Christy has fallen ill, so please wish her a speedy recovery of all days. Galentine's Day, when I'm recording this for you, please send her all of your well wishes. But what we are bringing you today instead is an episode that is new to most of you. We first covered this as an early episode way, way back in 2018, but you'll soon hear in this episode why we redid it. The processes have changed here in Sinisterhood Incorporated. (laughs) Things were loose back in 2018. So we did this revisit as a Patreon mini-sode in August of 2021, but we've had so many requests to cover this and the other original 13 episode topics. So we've done the Bermuda Triangle in the main feed as well as Nexium Revisited. So here is yet another one with Annabelle Revisited. It's also pretty appropriate to release this on Valentine's Day because it involves the sordid details of the marriage of Ed and Lorraine Warren. In addition to the allegedly haunted doll, we also discuss who some have called the true monsters of all of these horror stories, Ed and Lorraine. Their marriage is beautiful in The Conjuring films. Paris, his heart was broken when I just told him a while ago, and he said, but I love them, and Vera Farmiga is so nice. He interviewed her once when he was a movie reviewer. But the truth is that the sweet, sweet love that unites them on screen maybe was a little exaggerated, uh, given some allegations that came out that we discuss in this episode. But you're probably familiar with them because the movies made about their ghost hunting are super duper famous. Annabelle the Doll in particular was made popular in the 2014 movie, aptly named Annabelle. There's also the 2019 follow-up, Annabelle Comes Home. And overall, since the very first Conjuring film was released in 2013, with the sequels, the prequels, the spinoffs, all together, they've generated over $2.1 billion, and they're not done yet. News just dropped today on more details about The Conjuring 4. It's going to be titled The Conjuring Last Rites. It's in development right now. They teased it initially in the post credit scene of The Nun 2, if you saw that. The creator of the franchise, James Wan, said it could potentially wrap up the story of the Warrens. TBD on whether that would include anything we talk about today. I highly doubt it. But they're planning on shooting it this summer in Atlanta and releasing it sometime in 2025. It's going to be directed by the same guy that directed La Llorona, as well as The Devil Made Me Do It, Michael Chavez. And they also said there's a streaming series coming out on Max that will, quote, continue the story established in the feature film. So they are not done, as we say in the episode, milking this doll for all she's worth. Also, just a quick update. As of 2024... The Warrens, Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon, it's still going on. This year, it's going to be in Gettysburg, PA, uh, in September. So if you want to meet Annabelle, you still have a chance. Never fear. But if you don't want to meet Annabelle, you just want to hear about her, great news. There's a whole episode starting now. Well, we have learned some things. There's some startling news that has come out <laughs> in three years ago that I didn't know about. Just the past couple hours have we learned about it, but it came yeah. out years ago and we'd already planned to do this episode because this has been a very requested episode from uh patrons so we're doing it but we're gonna it's kind of dovetails into a another (laughs) crime story (laughs) yeah yes that involves um ed and lorraine warren 
who are both now deceased, so mm-hmm. I suppose nothing can happen to them. Nope. nope. Too late. But um, allegedly, it had came out a couple years ago that Ed kept a 15-year-old girl in the house, and Lorraine approved that he had an intimate romantic relationship with for years and years and years. They called when it he was in his 30s. amorous. Yeah, he was in his 30s. He was a bus driver. I learned this from, shout out to, a, and I apologize because I could not find the DM, but someone DM'd us and said, you should listen to the You're Wrong About episode, and it had the co-host of the Bechdel podcast on, so I threw that on and gave it a, a whirl before we got in the studio today and had to send Christy an article and said, some new information has come to light. We get <laughs> so many you. DMs suggesting you're wrong about. we mm-hmm. that That is, um, they're doing a good job. So many people. We got to do a crossover. Yeah, yeah, so many people love that podcast and say like how they've learned, their minds have been blown by things they've learned on that podcast. Well, yet another episode yep. of it. Did not fail mind. this time either. <laughs> New. And it was uh, a guest co-host, but nevertheless, still great. And this is came out in connection with the 2013 release of the very first Conjuring movie. And a woman named Judith Penny had given a deposition. Not It was a sworn declaration that said when she was 15, she was... I suppose, hit on by Ed Warren. I believe they met because she was riding public transit and he was the bus driver. And they formed a relationship that way. And then, yes, she moved into the house. Of course, people noticed she got arrested for it, but she wouldn't admit to the affair. She she protected them. Which, really, I don't understand why she would be arrested and not him. No idea. That's That's 60s justice for you. you. Mm -hmm. I think they were probably trying to hold her to get her to talk. Kind of, you know, if if you just tell us, we'll let you go. And then she stayed there until they said she moved out in 2003 when Ed's health was failing. He died in 2006. So for 40 years? Yeah. She said she remained friendly with him until he died. In all of her interviews and discussions, she really, and this is just the psychology of someone who's been the victim of, you know, abuse whatever type of abuse sexual emotional she seems to really blame lorraine throughout the whole thing she Mm -hmm. said i can't believe lorraine would let that happen to me Mm -hmm. which and then she said you know ed was so lovely you know so it's like she's maybe as a coping mechanism in her mind like tried to turn it around but allegedly she got pregnant at one point she was pressured by them to terminate the pregnancy real heavy stuff as far as accusations and this came out like i said in 2014 since then there have been seven additional Conjuring movies that have grossed over a billion dollars at the box office with more in the works. And Lorraine Warren worked as a consultant on all of those. And part of her life rights negotiation was that for the post the second movie. So after these allegations, she was aware of them, although they were not public until 2017. But part of the negotiation of the subsequent life rights of the film involved that the films could not mention extramarital affairs, sexual assault, assault of a minor, inappropriate relationships, pornography, anything like that. So, Which is which, not uh, typical of someone to include in their life rights, unless you know that something could easily come out. You know, I've seen, uh, I've negotiated a deal with a, a gentleman who was selling his firm uh, to one of my private equity clients back at the law firm, and he there was just a general... Um, clause that said, you know, if any sexual assaults um, or embezzlement allegations come out, you know, these are the consequences. And he's like, you got to cut that out. We're cutting that out of the agreement. And that's just was something, you know, it's almost like a uh, insurance for the company that's acquiring the the underlying company. But I thought to myself, boy, did you do something that you really like don't want that to be in there? You don't want to have to basically represent and warrant that you've never done these things. Or so a red you, flag to like, yeah, it's a red we should flag. look that, into this because it's mentioned, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, huh. And uh, they just bought a bunch of insurance, which is the weird world of private equity. But when you see things like that in an agreement, you go, oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. Like, it's this is a really important deal term for us. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and you're the studio and you go, okay. Although I would assume with due diligence, the studio would have seen that. Oh, uh, I'm de- sure that they declaration. did. Yeah, I mean, they just... Harvey Weinstein, for decades, everyone knew what was going on there, and he was allowed to make movies. You know, it's Hollywood is a a dark place at times. 
Yeah, bit of an open secret. Part of the other allegations that came from the same woman, Judith Penny, was that Ed beat Lorraine. Mm -hmm. They would constantly fight. That she said the quote, "I was afraid they would kill each other sometimes." Mm -hmm. That she saw him slap her unconscious at one point. Yeah, hit her so hard she lost consciousness. Mm So. You know, then that's the other side of, okay, well, are you trapped in this relationship? You don't want to be in, whatever. I don't know. Um, But yeah, he died in 2006. So the allegations didn't come out till well after he was dead in Mm -hmm. 2013. And then Lorraine passed away in 2019. But throughout all the Conjuring movies up until she died, she served as a consultant and uh, was interviewed, you know, when the the post-movies documentaries would come out, you know, little shorts on mm-hmm. YouTube or when you see them in the theaters or whatever. She, they always interviewed her. Vera Farma, Farmelia, mm-hmm. what's her name? She said that, Something you know, like she that. was inspired by her mm-hmm. to take on the role and everything. So, And you wonder, did they know about this? Because part of the whole Conjuring universe, a main focus is the loving and mm-hmm. supportive relationship between Ed and Lorraine. And mm-hmm. that article you sent, like, People are what were wanting to sue based on false allegations, I guess, that like they were being depicted mm. incorrectly. Well, this is where you always have to. I I think this is horrendous. Everything he's accused of is horrendous. The people that were suing him, one of them was an author who basically said, I want my cut. So because he had written a book about it. They had hired him to write a book. This goes into who has the rights to create derivative works off of your work, what kind of deal you had with them in advance. And he argued that when, because the deal happened after Ed was dead, when Lorraine sold her life rights, that what the movies were all based on was really all of his writing. Well, his writing was based on tapes of interviews with Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. So Warner Brothers didn't option this man's book. Warner Brothers optioned Lorraine's life rights and interviews with her and talking to her and her being a consultant. So that's the issue with that deal. So Judith Penny's allegations came out in the litigation involving this guy's book, which I've actually read. And it, I mean, I'm assuming it's pretty much parroting whatever they want him to write. You know, he mm-hmm. said all the authors that have ever worked with them essentially said they told me what to write. And I put Ed it and Lorraine book. told him what to write. Yeah. Ed yeah. and Lorraine would hire horror writers, like horror novelists mm-hmm. that had that type of suspense where should we cut the story make a new chapter kind of thing and they all said that they're like we were told to make it an interesting and good story so rather than optioning all these books the warner brothers optioned all their case files i think i'm like 98 percent sure it's warner brothers i may be wrong i think it is um but anyway the studio whatever studio was optioned it so he was pissed off because he didn't he felt like he got cut out of the deal and then as part of his getting cut out of the deal he went and interviewed this woman and essentially said well, the stories that they're making aren't really true. Based on a true story is so loosely defined as far as the, mm-hmm. the law, you know, the legal definition of it. So if you ever see a movie that says based on a true story, it it ain't. There I mean, there's a kernel. There 10% of it in there that's, yeah, a kernel of truth and the rest or less. is all liberties they've taken. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. I love my Helix mattress. It is something that I miss desperately when we're on tour because it is so absolutely comfortable. The temperature regulation keeps me cool. I'm kind of a side back combo sleeper, so I always have a comfortable position. And being in a hotel bed, no matter how luxurious they are, never matches up to my Helix mattress. The lineup of Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, including one designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids, which Tommy and Christy got for Ella, and she absolutely loves it. Plus, Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty for you and your child to try out your new Helix mattresses. Everybody is unique, so whether you're a side, back, or stomach sleeper, or all of the above, Helix offers a mattress for you. Plus, like I said, those enhanced cooling features will help regulate your body temperature no matter what the season. The setup's fast and easy. They're delivered in a box straight to your door for free. And don't forget, by supporting Helix, you're allowing them to support us and our show. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash creepy and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. 
And then their other argument with this was, it's a ghost movie. Do you think people really think it's true? And it's like, some people do. It's a sure. demon movie. People think that demons are, are real and stuff. So it's uh, definitely, I think, uh, tarnishes their legacy and makes those movies, I would say, way, 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 way more in the realm of fiction rather than based on a true story. Yeah. I mean, I have said before, I always thought they were frauds. I did not think they were monsters, which Yeah, on is, top of that. Yeah, and Penny said Lorraine knew about the relationship. When she first moved in, They she lived in the bedroom across from them. The hall, yeah. Yeah, and then an apartment was built for her on top of their house, and that one night Ed would stay with Lorraine, and the next night he would stay with her, so... It's Which, uh, it's stomach churning to say the least. Yeah, and you say, well, we can have whatever type of marriage we want. Oh, for sure, but not with a teen no, girl. No, not kept with a minor. Yeah, no, no not with yes. a girl that you took when she was a child and yes. groomed her to then stay with you for however many yes. years. And the woman, Judith Penny, says that in her interview or in her sworn declaration, she says, "I just hate that uh, that I did that all those years." And it's like, don't blame yourself. Yeah, I mean, you get it's kind of Nexium level where you get so mm-hmm. ingrained in their lives and everything. So. And they were they were good at making people believe what they wanted to believe and convincing them of stuff. I mean, their whole business, in my opinion, was fraud. So if you have that, you know, if you can sell ice to a a snowman, like who knows what they can pull over on on this girl and like convince her Mm -hmm. of things and stuff and. She's in her 70s now, I believe. So so I can't find anything beyond 2017. So I'm not sure if she's still alive or if anybody sees anything, let me know. But that's there was a series of articles that came out in 2017 when this was kind of this declaration was made public. And there was no I don't know if she ever got a settlement. She wasn't suing at the time. She was part of someone else's litigation. Um, I think she may have sued later. They talked about it and you're wrong about but. It was definitely an uh, eye-opening bit of information, and I will say, fascinating that the Conjuring movies are box office juggernauts. There's nothing stopping them. This again, this now they're just essentially fiction movies. You know, nothing about it is really real, mm-hmm. as far as well. First of all, first of all, if any of you, if any of us ever thought the Conjuring movie was real, was ever close to their real story, take a look at Patrick Wilson. And Google, what does Ed Warren look like? <laughs> it's not even close. No. It's not even... Ed Warren never looked like Patrick Wilson in his life. No. In his entire on life. On his best day. And on his best day and Patrick Wilson's worst day, did they no, ever never. even look similar? No. You could get any... No. There's just no way. Not even close. So, you need like Al Bundy playing him. If that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I'm trying to think. I don't know. He's, yeah, he, he took was a not a looker. His, no, not no, at not all. at all. So, and then, and there's an interview that I ended up watching, and they referenced in that podcast that was them in the 19. It was 2000, I think January 2000 or 2001, and just openly saying how we got started as ghost hunters is we would ask local college kids, "Hey, what's a haunted house in town?" And they would say, "Oh, it's the McFarland Mansion." And we'd go over there, and Ed would sketch it on a piece of paper, and then send Lorraine up to the door and knock on the door and say, "Hey, my husband sketched your house. Can we come in and talk to you about it?" And then, because it was the '60s and people were loose, they just mm-hmm. let anybody in. And then from there, be like, "Oh, there's a presence in here. Do you want us to exercise the demons?" And another gentleman who co-wrote one of the books stated essentially that they changed their tune that they were all about hunting ghosts and trying to find ghosts and spirits and then when the exorcist came out that they flipped and suddenly everything started being demons followed the money the trend yeah and then same with like satanic panic in the 80s they shifted more towards oh well it's probably demons that were conjured by satanism so if you want to say like what's the biggest grift of all is that you know you sell your life rights you build this house of cards and then before it can tumble you sell your life rights to a major motion picture studio that's going to pay your family until yeah. you know forever and then you die before any of these allocations yeah, come out just that you have to deal tap with tap out yeah it's tap right out it's yucky cuz it makes you think what all goes on that like is an open secret like you said in Hollywood that mm-hmm. just it doesn't matter. You, they, it, the money is where what people care about. And so Warner Brothers or whoever knows about all this, and they're still ch- churning out movies left and right. Another one's coming out like in a year or so. Yeah, like right before Lorraine died, she consulted on The Devil Made Me Do It. And 
there's an interview with her maybe two, three months before she died of her talking about the case and talking about what they went through and everything that it was 2019. I think Mm -hmm. the interview came out. So it wasn't like, you know, after that came out after the first movie, a, they didn't stop making the movies and B they for damn sure didn't stop using her as a consultant, which I think was part of the life rights deal, which was a smart negotiation tactic that you say, I'm not just telling you my name, but I also want, uh, basically a paycheck in, in conjunction with every mm-hmm. single movie. And then Judith Penny argued, hey, I was part of all these investigations. I'm not mentioned once. And also, nobody ever paid me a consulting fee. And imagine watching all those movies where they're depicted as this loving couple. And you're like, uh, this wasn't how it was at all. Not even close. I imagine you probably wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah. Because it'd be too painful. Yeah. Yeah. Too painful. Gross stuff for sure. It. This will be the last uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren <laughs> subject we cover, I think, now that we know what we know. But, um, yeah. you know, we're going to focus more on the doll in this Well, and the, what happened to this? Uh, these nursing, the nursing students. students and stuff, yeah. Yeah, really, we only talk uh, about them at the end for just a, I- a minute anyways. And I do think it's fascinating what has happened uh, in the inter or in the the meantime since Ed and Lorraine have died and kind With of what their it's son all in law what it's all turned yeah. into yeah so yeah. that's fascinating we'll cover that as well yeah well we uh, wanted to give that update up top I'm sure a lot of people's minds are blown just like ours if you didn't know anything about this so um, but now let's talk about this spooky haunted doll there you go. <laughs> In 1970, a nursing student named Donna received a Raggedy Ann doll from her mother for her 28th birthday that had been purchased from an antique store. While at first the doll seemed like every other doll, Donna and her roommate Angie began to notice strange things about it. When Donna would leave for school in the morning, she would place the doll flat on her bed. Later that evening, when she would return, the doll's arms would somehow be crossed or one of its legs would be slung over the edge of the bed. Not believing the doll could possibly move on its own, the women chalked it up to a bizarre coincidence. Then the movement started to become much more noticeable. Listen, I don't want a doll in my house. Uh, I'm out right now. And then it moves? The first glimmer that Mm -mm. this doll is uh has some kind of sentient being inside of it. And it's an insatiable thirst for blood. I am out. Yeah. If I find it just even I put it on the bed and then i come back and it's laying on the floor like it could have fallen off the bed but it also could have jumped down on its own it is gone anything that moves in the house i'm nervous about but mm-hmm. especially something about a face and eyes and a mouth and little hands oh the, the, the hands yeah you see Robert this is the why you feet. got all those cameras you can just yes. see that little a scurry across the living room mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd see it. I'd I'd see it from work and be like, well, I got to burn the house down. <laughs> You'd get a notification on your phone. Mm-hmm. Donna and Angie would return home and find the doll sitting on the couch in the living room, despite having been left in Donna's room. Other times they would find the doll standing completely upright with no explanation for how she could have got there. More than once, Donna left the stuffed toy on the couch before heading off to nursing school. When Donna returned home, she would be shocked to discover the doll was no longer on the couch. Rather, Donna would find the doll in her bedroom, laying on Donna's bed. Inexplicably, the bedroom door would be closed. Annabelle just wanted to go in there and watch her mystery story. <laughs> she is tired. She needs privacy. She's been conjuring demonic forces all day. It takes a lot out of a doll. <laughs> just when Donna and Angie thought things couldn't get any creepier, they began to find eerie handwritten notes around their apartment. The handwriting appeared to be that of a child's, and the notes were scribbled on old-timey parchment paper, something the women didn't keep in the house. The most upsetting part was the message itself. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just picked, like, kids' handwriting can be, it's either beautiful because it's your child and they're learning Mm -hmm. how to write, or it is the most evil, sinister thing you've ever seen. Depending, Red rum. There's no, yes, there's no in between. So in Something. this case, you just find a tiny, like, off-white, you know, like that Mm-mm. that uh, textured kind of crinkled paper. I imagine Mm-mm. it was rolled up like a tiny scroll. You, you unroll <laughs> it and it just says, 
help me written like the E's backwards. Mm. It's all like the letters are not the same size. And you know parchment, it's like an old library book. It's mm-hmm. got a smell to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm, oh, yeah. Smell. Refusing to believe the Raggedy Ann doll was capable of such a deed, Donna and Angie assumed someone was coming to their apartment and messing with them. They set up some makeshift booby traps in an attempt to catch the prankster, but the traps remained untouched. No one was coming into the apartment to scare them. Indeed, the person responsible for the notes had been living with them all along. The notes are coming from inside the house. That's exactly what I was thinking. That is still an urban legend that rocks me to my core. Well, nowadays, you got cell phones. Yeah, yeah. But to think of someone, like we were just talking about, what were we, was this on air that we recorded a bonus thing yesterday when you were talking about the guy in the closet trying to catch his girlfriend? I told you that before we got on the air because we were, they were posting about it in the Patreon Facebook group where, um... A guy said, relationship, I think it was relationship, and he was like, help me, I hid in my girlfriend's coat closet to see if she was truly having a girl's night or if she was cheating on me, and it turns out she's having a girl's night, so he just had to sit in the closet until someone spilled something on the ground and they needed to get the vacuum out of the closet, and it was open, and he was revealed. <laughs> and of course, the girl dumped him, and he's like, how do I get her back? It's he's like, like, you, you do don't, not. buddy. You fucked you that up. But, but to imagine think that you, you were having, yeah, to think you were having that party. <laughs> you know how you saw Solve that problem. It's how we do it at wine night. Bring a gun. <laughs> Certain wine nights, uh, the least of your problems is uh, a, a boyfriend hiding in the closet. <laughs> Somebody pulls out a weapon. Yeah, Whew, that was a hell of a wine night. But to think you've been by yourself all night and then to realize like somebody else has been there listening to you is such a violating but feeling. It is. And that's Mm-mm. why that urban legend always gets me. Like the thought of like, you think you're alone in the house and then surprise. Like, um, who was it? What was the case we covered that she Daniel LaPlante. Yeah, him, but the one the woman that came home and her husband had hired the guy. To oh, kill Susan. Her. Susan uh, it starts with a K. Yes. Kuhnhausen, yeah. Walter. Kuhnhausen. Yes, yes. To know that like he had been waiting in your apartment. Yes. Have you ever Lurking. had your car broken into? So far, no. I have not. I've had Two different cars broken into, one of them twice. Oh, damn. And it is such a violating feeling to know someone's been, like, rummaging through your things and took your stuff and was, like, in your car, which is a very personal place. There it's, was a meme that so I saw crazy. today that said someone broke into their car, rifled through their CDs, and only stole some of them. And they said they risked being caught <laughs> to pass judgment on my yeah. music. Yeah. It's so hurtful. And then what is more hurtful, the fact that they broke in or the fact that they were like, no, I'm not taking Backstreet Boys. I will oh. take Creed. You're like, goddamn, <laughs> what's happening? I hope you go to jail. <laughs> Sinisterhood will be right back. It's not something that a lot of people want to talk about, but the fact of the matter is millions of Americans experience thinning hair. It's actually just normal. People don't want to talk about it, but but it's pretty regular, but it makes you feel so lonely, so frustrated. Nobody wants to admit that they want to get something to help them out with their thinning hair, but you can do it now and don't be afraid to do it. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning, whether it's stress, I relate, hormones, I also relate, environment, mm-hmm. nutrition, listen, yes, also, lifestyle, certainly, <laughs> and metabolism. But the Nutrafol supports all of this through whole body health. It's not something to be ashamed about. Just grab you some Nutrafol. It works for us, and we love it. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code CREATE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code CREEPY. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code CREEPY. Accepting that Donna's birthday gift was no ordinary doll, the girls called in a psychic to hold a seance. 
the psychic informed them that a little girl named Annabelle Wiggins had lived on the property years before the apartment complex was built. Tragically, she had been murdered. The psychic told them the child was lonely and her spirit had taken up residence inside the Raggedy Andal. Donna and Angie were reassured when the psychic said Annabelle felt safe with them and enjoyed living in their home. And with that, the trio continued on as roommates. Yeah, apparently they they were talking about it at work, and one of their coworkers said, I know a medium, and you love a friend like that. He's oh, like, yeah. I got a lady. I got, I got somebody for you. I can She'll get you a there. toe and get you a toe by 3 p.m. <laughs> Would you keep this doll in your house knowing this? Uh, no, because I would have thrown it out as <laughs> yeah. soon as it moved from one yes, room to the other. Absolutely. But e- even so, if there were some object, you know, the skull that sits behind me here on this table, if I had a medium come over and go, you know, this do- dollar store skull that you guys have had on stage with you before, there's a soul of a person in there. His name is, you know, Jerry Smith. He <laughs> loves hanging out in your house. I would just be like, that's nice. I'm going to have to give that away, though. <laughs> Because I don't want him staring at me no. while I'm recording. No, like, and you never know. I mean, you don't want to come in and, like, his mouth is open, like he's been God. laughing or something. <laughs> or, like, you find him and he's, like, in your chair when you come in one day. Or, no. like, you cover something you don't like and he he just, like, he's frowning. Like yeah. Back and forth. No, uh-uh, I don't uh-uh. want, I don't want, even if it's Sentient. a nice spirit, I don't think I want that in my home. I like a good, quiet house. I yeah. don't think I need spirits in my house. When I moved into my first Chicago apartment, I had to like rent it sight unseen because there was a whole thing with the one I had initially picked. But it happened to come available because the f- former tenant had lived there like 15 or 20 years and suddenly didn't want to live there anymore. And I was like, did she Did she die in here? And <laughs> finally the super was like, yeah. But it was a, there was like something in the house. There was something in the apartment it may have just been her residual energy, but it didn't seem dangerous or angry or anything. But it was just like, there's too many of us in here. Yeah. You can go. I need, like my own, you, I need my own place. When you have a roommate and you know they're not going to be there when you get home and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to have the place to myself. That feeling of walking around and you're the only one at home, that's a good feeling. If you got a spirit in your house, you're never going to have that. It's a roommate that will never, you can't kick them off yeah. the lease, I guess, unless you get you a priest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you got to do an exorcism or a seance to get them out of the house. Soon, Donna and Angie began feeling sorry for Annabelle and the tragedy that befell her. To comfort her, they began treating the doll like an actual child. They would invite her on the couch to watch TV with them, give her food at the dinner table, and speak to her as if she was a little girl. Yeah, apparently when they would sit her at the dinner table in one of the interviews I watched, uh, according to noted sex predator Ed Warren, that <laughs> she they would put her hands, at, like cross them in her lap as she sat in the chair and that as they were eating dinner, her hands would go like on the tabletop. Like she would, would push them, put them on top well, of the like table? They would move from being crossed in her lap to being flat on the tabletop. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Trying to eat your spaghetti, you're like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> but also... Why is she moving her hands? She can't eat. She can't get that spaghetti <laughs> in like, her mouth. Serve it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cut a hole and then you cram the spaghetti in. That's oh, just a, that's God. never going to end well. Or you got to get one of those baby alive dolls where you put the <laughs> food in those. and it mom, and like mom, the liquid goes mom. in and then it pees out. So and you had weird. to feed it paste mm-hmm. and it was like. Mom, mom, <laughs> Things had been going well in the apartment until one night when Angie's fiance Lou came to visit. Lou thought the story of the doll being possessed by a little girl was ridiculous and treated Annabelle like a regular old doll. Annabelle did not take kindly to this. Later that night, as Lou lay sleeping on the girl's couch, he suffered a frightful nightmare. In his dream, Annabelle was crawling up his legs and choking him. Lou startled awake in a panic, relieved it had just been a dream. But when he discovered his chest was covered in claw marks, he feared it had not been a dream after all, but rather a living nightmare. Nope. Yeah, they said it was like six marks one way and six marks the other way. And it's like, I'm not about that. Not the mark of the beast? Or it was three marks one way and three marks the other way. So it was like six total, yeah. And then it's like, how did these little padded hands do that? Did claws come out? True. If claws come out of the padded hands, then a real mouth can come out of the cloth face. That's true. I I don't like that implication. (laughs) 
Terrified of the sudden change in Annabelle's behavior, Don and Angie called a priest, hoping for help. Realizing he was out of his depth, the priest decided to call in the big guns, renowned psychic and demonologist and noted sex predator Ed Warren, and his wife Lorraine, a gifted psychic, and now we know a lot more about her An too. enabler. According to the book, The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the priest's exact request was, Would you investigate the case further and, as a demonologist, recommend if any formal church action should be taken? After hearing a bit about the case, Ed and Lorraine accepted. And this is uh, from the book that was at the issue of the lawsuit. It all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. This book is not just about Annabelle. It's about uh, 20, 20 cases, their 15, whole, 20 their cases. Their life, their career. Mm-hmm. Donna and Angie, along with Lou, received the couple at the apartment later that day. The 20-somethings spoke on the record with the Warrens, relaying their story on tape recorder regarding Annabelle. The women told them how over the past year the doll had moved and left them written messages. Then Lou described how Annabelle had impacted him, saying, This thing gives me bad dreams, recurrent ones, and yet what I'm going to tell you is not a dream as far as I'm concerned. He then described his dream, where he saw Annabelle slink up his body and choke him, causing an almost electrical connection. He also described a separate incident when he was attacked in the apartment and was left scratched and bleeding at the hands of the doll, with seven cuts total, three vertical and four horizontal, that all felt like burns. Though the cuts had healed by the time the Warrens arrived, Donna and Angie both confirmed that they saw them. This one, you know, if there's something that's possessed or weird, I think... There, there's two, maybe there's three schools of thought on how to react. One is what the women did whenever they first saw the doll being haunted and they were too nice to it. This mm-hmm. is like the Goldilocks situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where you were too nice to it and then he was too shitty to it. You got to go right in the middle yeah. and be like, we respect you as a doll, but you don't live here anymore. <laughs> yes. So we're going to leave. We appreciate everything. It was so nice. But uh, but you can't be like, hey, come sit on the couch with me. And no. you can't be like, fuck you. Because either one of those is going to end bad. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta go right down the middle. And give her the apartment if she yes. wants it. Be like, you can have it. We'll move. You know, just please stay here. Don't follow us. And if you can pay the rent and the deposit first and last month, it's on you, Annabelle. That's true. Go for exactly. it. Ed told the three that there was no Annabelle. There never was. You were duped. Instead, the trio was experiencing something inhuman, a demonic force that they had inadvertently welcomed into their home. Ordinarily, people are never bothered by inhuman demonic spirits unless they do something to bring the force into their lives. The Warrens called the priest to the house to perform a cleansing. The priest was able to complete the blessing of the apartment. But feeling like the doll still may bring trouble, Donna asked the Warrens to take it with them. On the drive home, the Warrens began to experience the dark force of Annabelle. Their car began to swerve and stall, forcing Ed to take back roads instead of the highway. When the power steering and brakes began to fail, Ed claimed he felt an evil presence in the car. Fearing Annabelle's wrath would cause him to wreck, Ed doused the doll in holy water. After that, the rest of the ride home was uneventful. Well, there you go. That's why you got to keep it to go holy water on you, got, you all the time. You know what? There's, it's, you got your, your uh, like, Boy Scouts, always, <laughs> always be prepared. If you're a demonologist, you got to have a Bible, holy water. What else? Yeah. A rosary, probably? For sure, a rosary, yeah. You got to keep the holy water in one of those Gatorade bottles, though, that just squirts right yeah, away, that you yes. don't have to, like, flip a top. You just get a easy access. You just, yeah, like, no. you, like you, or a spray bottle, like a cat. And just You're driving them. with one hand and squirting <laughs> in the back, like, on the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine safely made it back to their house, but soon began seeing a black cat lurking around their property. They also began noticing Annabelle moving on her own, just like Donna and Angie had. After locking her in the outside office building, the Warrens would sometimes return home, frightened to see that Annabelle was inside their main house, sitting in Ed's easy chair. Again, she just needed to relax. Nobody, yeah. after if she's in the office, you got that work mindset. You're like, mm-hmm. well, now it's five o'clock. <laughs> I want to go relax in my lazy boy. She's trying to kick her feet up. People just <laughs> they keep forcing her feet. into uncomfortable positions, mm-hmm. and that's all. She's trying to relax. A black cat could be from anything. Well, I've, I've seen black cats in my neighborhood. I will say I'm such a dork because I'm always trying not to let them cross my path. I'm I, very... No, I'm the same. My dad would... So I guess the the myth or urban legend is you spit on the windshield 
when you, if, if you if you can't turn around and go the other way, you spit on the windshield, and that like, like on the inside. Yeah, my dad would straight up spit on the windshield, or if possible, legit turn around and go the other way. He, my dad, is where I get a lot of my uh, spooky, like kind of that that type of stuff from. Where you like you have that uh, that urge to like okay yeah superstitious that's what I'm looking for yeah well now I know because in the past I just let it cross my path and Google like I need to jump backwards three times in the yard like I gotta figure it out but now I'm just gonna spit in the inside of my car I already do when I pass a graveyard so you spit yeah I spit when I pass a graveyard oh I didn't know you're supposed to do that I thought you're supposed to hold your breath keeps well my family spit (laughs) probably just because they're sucking on some chaw every uh <laughs> everybody's got their own like this is what you do when this happens mm-hmm. i don't know if spitting on the windshield with the cat is a thing or my dad just did sounds that. like i've been spitting in my car anyway might as well just add one more or if I you usually spit to the side if you um what is it that you do when you throw salt on the floor for what purpose there's like a slug no no if my grandmother would do it and i do it too i think it's if you if you knock the salt shaker over, oh yeah, you have you to have throw to some over your throw shoulder. Throw salt over your your shoulder, and I distinctly remember my grandma, who I called Granny. My Granny, uh, it she once happened. She's like, my floor could be, I could have just mopped it, and I'm throwing this on there. So I guess my dad probably got the superstitious nature from her, and it was passed down to me. So your paternal grandmother, you called Granny. Mm-hmm. Me too. Really? Would yeah. you call your grandfather? He, uh, no one talked to him. He was a bad person. Okay. He abandoned the family. I so Asshole. monster. Uh, mine was Papa. So it's Mama and Papa on one side, and then Granny and leaving the house, leaving and the family on the other. We well, my on my mom's side, my her dad was Big Bill to us because oh, he that's was awesome. oh gosh six seven. He was very tall. Maybe like not Big quite Bill. that tall. Her stepmom was a monster also. So we we called her Helen, but she Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels. That's putting it lightly. Yeah. So um but Papa we spelled P O P P A, not P A P A. But Tommy was Mama and Papa. Yeah. Look and at then that. Grandma and Grandpa on his mom's side. Yeah. And Ella Ella calls my mom grandma. Nice. We tried to grandma. before we were like what do you want to be called? But then in the end, it's whatever they call you. You yeah, really don't have to say it. My mom is Noni to my niece. And then my brother-in-law's mom is Bibi. So it's Noni and Bibi. Did they want to be called that or did that just happen naturally? They just want to be called that. So they would just be like, oh, there's Noni. So mm-hmm. Sydney would be like, oh, okay, this is what I call yeah, her. She just okay. calls him Noni. Yeah, Noni I and think Bibi. Maybe we called her grandma and then she just started. Yeah, I, I guess that's. If we had uh, implanted a name in her head early on, but we didn't. I mean, I've literally heard Ella call Simon, Simon, maybe three times. It's baby brother only to where, like, she will introduce him to other people as baby brother. This is baby brother. Yeah. And I'll be like, his name (laughs) is Simon. But yeah, he, that's because that's what we always called him when he, Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant with him and stuff. And we, Tommy and I still refer to him. Like that all the time. Baby brother. Baby brother. It'll probably eventually transition into something. Like baby or baby. something. <laughs> I don't know if that's a nickname I want to foster, but we'll figure it out. Sinisterhood will be right back. Don't you feel great whenever the weather gets warmer, you slip on some sandals, and then ba-bam, your toes look all gross and chewed up because you haven't painted them all winter? That's just me? Oh, okay. Well, to combat that, I have the help from Olive and June. Olive and June nail polishes last seven plus days and do not chip, so I know when I it's time to bust out them tootsies and get my toes looking fly that Olive and June has got my back. Plus, their Manny system is the ultimate secret behind Salon Perfect Nails at home. It's all in one, no guessing, no messy nails, no salon price tag, all in one box. The thing about the Manny system is, certainly, it has all 
all of the essentials you would need to do a manicure at home, but it also has something you never knew you needed. That is the Poppy, a patented brush handle that makes it so easy to paint with your dominant hand and especially your non-dominant hand. So that way you get really, really precise. You always wonder, hey, you did your nails at home. How do they look so precise? I'll tell you how, the Poppy, that's how. So get yourself the Manny system because it comes with not only the Poppy, of course, but six polishes. It breaks down to just $2 a Manny. You can spend up to $35 for one gel Manny, and the Poppy is super helpful for painting your toes too, and they have a pedicure system. Put your foot up on the thing. It's fantastic. It's all you need. Getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. No more having to make appointments or travel to a salon. Visit oliveandjune.com slash creepy for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash C-R-E-E-P-Y for 20% off your first Manny system. Well, Annabelle did not take kindly to guests and on more than one occasion threatened visitors to the Warrens' home. One evening, a priest came to discuss another case. When the man noticed Annabelle, he asked why she had been added to the Warrens' collection. Ed told him what happened with the nurses, but the priest was unconcerned. You're just a rag doll, the clergyman told Annabelle. You can't hurt anything. Ed cautioned the priest against flippant remarks toward Annabelle, and Lorraine warned him to be extra careful when driving home. The priest called later that night to tell the Warrens they were right. The brake system failed. I was almost killed in a traffic accident. My car is a wreck. The car wasn't the only thing that was a wreck. The terrified priest also recounted how during the crash, he looked into the rearview mirror. There, in his back seat, he saw an apparition of Annabelle. Well, if I looked over my shoulder and saw a damn raggedy end doll, I would have wrecked my car yes, too. Uh, 100%. If I looked in my rearview mirror and saw anything yes. that wasn't supposed to be there. There wasn't a passenger I was driving. Uh-uh. The Warrens eventually had a special case built for Annabelle, so she could no longer move about the house or hurt people. There she sat in the couple's occult museum in Connecticut. A visitor to the museum once knocked on the glass of the case, taunting the doll, he said. If there's anything this doll can do, prove it. After leaving the museum on the man's motorcycle, he and his girlfriend suffered a terrible accident. Severely injured, the girlfriend was in the hospital for over a year. Tragically, her boyfriend did not survive. In an interview with their son-in-law, Tony Spera, Ed described the incident, saying that after mocking Annabelle, Less than three hours later, the boy was dead. Just like, uh, what's the one? Robert the doll. Yeah, Don't be knocking true. on dolls' cases and saying shitty things to them. Just be respectful of everybody, yeah. whether they're humans or dolls yes. or sentient dolls. Stuffed or not, be respectful. I have a question because mm-hmm. I know you have a skeptical mind and a background in psychology. Do you think that the type of person that would taunt a doll that's been they've been told is cursed that would say, you know, you're nothing, you're just a doll, fuck you, is the type of person that would have a big ego and would disregard basic traffic rules and or drive in a more reckless fashion because possibly they are tempting fate in various areas of their life? Yeah, I could draw those conclusions. Like, possibly if you're the type of person that if someone said, you must be respectful to this doll or it will curse you, that you're like, eh, fuck this doll, whatever, you might be the same type that if they said, you know, you shouldn't drive a motorcycle over this many miles mm-hmm. per hour and wear this type of protective gear, you'd be like, I know better than that. Yeah. Fuck you. You're cocky. You think the rules don't apply to you type of thing, for sure. So I was like, I think there's probably a correlation. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's that the ghost doll pushed his motorcycle over, but maybe that same type of person... Mm-hmm. Would do both things. Yeah. And think about how many people we don't hear about that taunted it, that nothing happened didn't. to them. You know, we, yeah. o- we only hear about the ones where something uh, did happen. The very funny gentleman from BuzzFeed Unsolved went and taunted the doll. And one of them, I can't remember their names because I just typed in Annabelle videos. And one of them is very skeptical. And the other one is, you know, reasonably cautiously believes it. And the skeptical one's like, I hope she crashes this bus <laughs> and not crash the bus. Well, the other one that. was like, please stop saying that. I don't want to crash the bus. <laughs> this would be me and you if we went. Yeah, but like, even, bring it on. even though I don't believe Annabelle is possessed, I still, there's like one person in me that's like, but why risk it? Why do I need, yeah, you know what I point. mean? Like, I'm not going to. And that's the superstitious nature of me. And even if it's not that there's an actual demon in the doll, I think that 
certain objects can have certain energies. And if it for some reason has this really negative energy imparted on it, I think it's probably best not to touch it, not to engage with it. For years, Lorraine called Annabelle the worst thing in the couple's museum. I think that's not true. I think we know what the worst thing in (laughs) the whole place was. Uh, For sure. And wouldn't even look at it for a prolonged period of time. A devil tarot card was eventually pinned up beside Annabelle's case to help keep the demonic forces at bay. I don't know the logic in that, but I suppose they thought somehow it would help. But yeah, uh, Annabelle like, was the least of their great... worries in that occult museum. <laughs> for sure. I think the devil tarot card makes for a great photo op. There's a sign yes. that says, don't touch under any circumstances, and then there's like a devil card mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. The Warrens ran their occult museum together until Ed's death in 2006. Lorraine continued running the museum until her death in 2019. Their son-in-law, Tony Spera, has taken up the helm running the New England Society for Psychic Research, or NESPER. Annabelle is very much a part of his ongoing business. As recently as October 31, 2021, thrill-seekers looking to meet Annabelle firsthand could buy tickets to the Warren's Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon held at the Courtyard by Marriott in Waterford, Connecticut. The event's website warned, Don't be fooled by imitations. This is the only Paracon where you can meet and take photos with a real Annabelle doll from Ed and Lorraine Warren's Occult Museum of Haunted Artifacts, presented by the museum's curator and Ed and Lorraine's son-in-law, Tony Spera. Separate ticket required. (laughs) That's my favorite. You pay to get in, and then they also charge you Annabelle Yeah, that's how they get you. This was, I mean, this was this Halloween this was mm-hmm. going on. So he's... Weeks ago. Yeah. He's still he's, chucking yes, that doll around. Yes. He is capitalizing on what they did. Now, my question is, because I'm not as familiar with Tony Spera, is, is it um, their, I guess, their daughter's husband? They have mm-hmm. a daughter. One is she daughter. involved? Her name is Judy, oddly enough. Oh, that's Which is gross. the name of, Yeah. And she's really not, she's really not in the public eye whatsoever. I mean, here and there a little bit, but for the most part, ever since they've been together, which I, there are videos as old as, like I said, 2000, where Tony is interviewing them and says, I'm Tony Sparrow. I'm Ed and Lorraine's son-in-law. So he's clearly been married to her since, you know, at least 20 years. Mm -hmm. And he was... Involved in all the ghost hunting and whatnot early on. And then I think as they were hitting this retirement age in the 2000s and were wanting to maybe, you know, dip their toe into the digital forum, he started helping them with the website. That's the first time I ever heard of them was I was in maybe ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade, which would have been around 2000. And they had a website called warrens.net and it was all their case files were on there. And this was, you know, it wasn't the same amount that was in the book, but it was enough to then make me go and buy their book Mm -hmm. and like buy some of the books and read them and get roll into it. So that's when I first heard of them was because of this website. And so I think, Married the daughter, started helping them make a more digital presence. He started making these videos. I don't know pre-YouTube where these videos were shown. They look like they were filmed on a set, either homemade built set or like the set that you would get access to as part of a cable access Mm -hmm. channel thing. So And the videos were him interviewing them? mm -hmm. Yeah, he just sits there and interviews them and then he'll ask a question and Ed is just goes off talking. Lorraine will correct him or, you know, interject a little bit. But for the most part, Ed's like, I got this and kind of takes over. And then Tony is like, OK, well, back to the question, you know, kind of tries to wrangle him. Um, and then now that they have both passed away, he's kind of taken the, the reins and is milking that doll for whatever it's worth. Do he and his wife get money from these movies? So that would, that's the terms of the deal that I'm not, nobody is privy to, you know, that's like something that would be secret, um, not secret, but confidential. Mm-hmm. I imagine though, with my very, my, what time is it? 6 PM. I just finished my first, um, law class on <laughs> film distribution and rights law. Mm-hmm. That's something you can ask for is that you get money up front for your life rights. And then you also ask for a percentage on the back end. If they were smart enough to ask for that, I'm assuming it would probably go into some type of trust that would be live beyond them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you would probably get it would now that I've seen how movies are made, 
or not how movies are made, but like the financial waterfall of how much you get paid for a movie. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of people who have hands in the pot that are grabbing their share of it. So for a billion dollar movie, the Lorraine Ed and Lorraine Warren's family is not getting a billion dollars, oh, no, no, no. but they are probably getting multi millions of dollars, mm -hmm. you know, maybe in the fifties, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to turn down $1 million, much less Hell no. the 40, $50 million. So it could be somewhere in there. I will say on the flip side, if they made so much money from this, why would they be selling tickets to see the Annabelle doll? That's a good point. Like, why would you be at the Courtyard Marriott being mm -hmm. like, does anybody want to see the doll? Like, when you just outsource the museum to someone else. So in my mind, maybe they didn't make a very good deal because if you didn't know if the Conjuring movie was going to be any good, like you didn't know if James Wan and, you know, the actors were going to be so beloved, and you said, you know, we'll sell our life rights for this one single story, Annabelle separate, and now that the movie studio knows it's going to make a gajillion dollars, they give you like a much smaller slice of it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, Lorraine, I think that the fee was like $500,000 per movie for her to act as a uh, consultant on it. So that like they're not hurting for money, but I would say they're probably not gajillionaires because he's out like, come on down and buy your ticket. It makes me think of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> like, he may on. also like the attention. Also that too. It could just be nothing having to do with money and he, mm -hmm. he just likes the attention. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, so what do we think? Yeah, I would say, you know, there was a, in one of the interviews for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Which we saw together and we filmed a little thing afterwards about yeah. it. Yeah. And I, oh, I'm and thinking of La Llorona, but we also did see, we also did the, see devil the Devil Made, made Me Do It together. It was my um, least favorite. Uh, well, I don't know if I saw the second one. The first Conjuring I thought le was legit scary. And uh -huh. then the subsequent ones I did not find as scary. And I've never seen any of the Annabelle movies. And they had a whole discussion about, you know, you can't use a Raggedy Ann doll for purposes of, mm -hmm. you know, IP. A Raggedy Ann company is not going to be like, please make our doll into a demon. The um, Annabelle doll in the movie looks way creepier than the real Annabelle doll. And to me, that makes it less scary because if somebody gave you that busted ass freak yeah. doll you'd be like get the fuck out of I'm here that thing's haunted yeah, I don't but care if it never doll, moves you're like oh it looks harmless my entire room when I was little like little little was Raggedy Ann and Rag Raggedy Ann and Andy themed we had one big we had like this doll when I was yeah. a kid I don't know whatever happened to it but it was like if it stood up it was probably three feet mm -hmm. tall Raggedy Ann in her little dress and everything did you put yeah, it at the it. dinner table yeah, we always did. No, but I will say the doll that I still have in my house is my talking peewee that I was like obsessed with. Talked to peewee, took him everywhere, and I have talking peewees in my has living room. Talked right now. without you. Have you ever walked in? And he's just like, ah. <laughs> not yet, because that's why he's still in my house. Although his voice box is kind of jacked, so when you pull it, he's like, "I know you are, but what am I?" It's oh no, horrific. So, you gotta replace those batteries. Yeah, we don't pull his pull string no more. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I was going to say, you know, as as soon as, you know, this year, there was a guy who was interviewed, uh, it was a priest that works in cahoots with this museum. And he said, you know, they were very special people. You know, I come into this museum to make sure that, you know, none of the spirits get out of the objects here. And... I think it's Lorraine's love that keeps everything in place here. And I just help her with my prayers. So they've still got this money-making machine going saying, you know, the and good reason reputation. Why... Well, and then if you watch The Devil Made Me Do It, a part of that whole how did they, you know, save the day at the end is because they love each other yeah, so much. Yeah, Because, you know, you have them being like, oh, I love you so much. And for what it's worth, it was like one of the final interviews before she died. They said, what do you think about these movies? And Lorraine said, the Conjuring movies are very, very accurate. Mm. So then it's like when you get to a point where you, Hamilton, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, mm -hmm. you know, when you can control the narrative, then... You go down in history as if if it weren't for that woman coming forward, you know, everybody would have been like, oh, my gosh, they were such a power mm -hmm. couple, which mm -hmm. I always thought. And I'm now crushed to know well, that they turns out they fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that that woman did come forward uh, for mm -hmm. for lots of reasons. And I hope I would like to see that become like more a part of this story and more mainstream. So these movies don't do as well because I don't think that their story should be making them tons of money. Well, and then the other question is, you know, at what point does 
the story it's so far removed from them that it's not even based on a true story anymore you know yeah. like it's not even it it really has become totally fiction yeah it's uh something to chew on next time you're you're watching one of these you're like mm-hmm. man this isn't at all vera and patrick come on mm-hmm. yeah cuz everybody loves a good love story and you love a good spooky movie and this is Combine like perfectly mm-hmm. perfectly married them together when it turns out that's not really realistic it's way scarier all. to know the truth yeah. Yeah. And now if they made a movie that was accurate and it was like just about the warren's lives and how they lived at home that's a legit horror movie. Well, and I wonder now that they're both dead, what may come of that? Like, mm-hmm. if it's maybe based on a true story and it's named, you know, Bob and Noreen Wallace. Don't sorry, bring me it started into with this. A, I know it started with a W. <laughs> uh, Wilmington, Bob yeah. and Noreen Wilmington, the noted demonologist uh-huh. and a noted psychic, and like you know, it's them, but it's not really them. Yeah. And then that all that shit goes down. That may make for you I will know something watch that to, movie. Yeah, to kind of say down. this is what we've all. This is kind of the the ultimate scam. You know, if you mm-hmm. think every one of the ghost stories was a scam, which they talk about, and you're wrong about. You know, some of those families were arguably in on the like mm-hmm. reports of their haunting, and then were able to sell their stories, and were like months to years behind on rent, facing I mean, eviction, Amityville and came then, out and said like none of this. This was all fake. Well, and they said, well, we sold our story to National Enquirer, whoever, mm-hmm. for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and now we could pay our house off. We didn't get foreclosed on, so it's a scam. Did the scam help some people? Did it hurt some? You know, I think it probably helped the families that were in on it and mm-hmm. didn't get exploited. But like I said, none of those families are getting paid the slice of the conjuring pie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. now coming out um, all these many years later. But I would, now that I'm dipping my toe into this whole entertainment law field, I would be very fascinated to read their their life rights yeah. um, agreement just to see kind of what all was in it and what they what the deal terms were. Very interesting. But alas, it is confidential. It is, yep. Well, that's Annabelle Revisited plus some, some extra info. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for... I think we asked in one of the what do you want us to cover, this was like the second most voted yeah, one. That's so, why we picked it. Yeah, since you guys were really wanting us to cover this, we wanted to go ahead and do it. So we hope if you hadn't heard it before that you get to hear it now. And even if you had, that it's new uh, information. New information, yes. I will also say, reading our old notes from when we first did this. <laughs> fucking terrible. I... I'm very proud of us and how our writing has improved oh. 110% since when we Did first you, started. Let me read. Can I read the sentence that's in the actual old script? Please. So it said, uh, we had like reasonable paragraphs. They were kind of shitty. But then there was one header that said, Ed and Lorraine Warren, real or frauds? And the next header said, let Heather talk here about some background information she has on post-it notes from the demonologist book. <laughs> <laughs> It's, That's how profesh we were back in the day. Uh, and I asked, I, I messaged you. I was like, uh, I assume you've got these, right? And you're like, <laughs> I actually might, but but you yep. didn't. But we both kept all of our journals from mm-hmm. no. I mean, I have a plastic tub full of all of them because I'm like, one day I might want to go back and look. I keep all my mm-hmm. improv journals too, like from when I coached or anything. I would mm-hmm. take notes because I'm like. One day, Ella might be like, if you, like, 50 years from now, if you went back and read that stuff, if you, like, found that stuff from your mom, wouldn't you be like, what? This is wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I keep all of it. Oh, yeah. Me too. My Mm -hmm. original show notes notebook. Well, thank you guys so much for supporting our Patreon. As always, we couldn't do this without you. Make sure you request to join the Facebook group if you haven't already and subscribe to our Discord server. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 800 hours of bonus content. And February is the perfect time to join. We've got some special deals going on right now. And in addition to join for free, which lets you get email updates and a once monthly throwback bonus content for free, we're also offering free trials right now. So you can join for a week at any level, even up to the highest level. Check out all the perks. You can binge anything you want and cancel anytime before 
before the trial is over without getting charged. And if you've been debating whether to join our Patreon, now is the time to try it out. If you join anytime now through the end of February, annual memberships are 16% off. That's basically like getting two whole months for free. And also, February is a great time to join because we have Docuary. It's like a book club, but for documentaries. Christy is our documentary connoisseur, and she curates a list of films. We'll watch them before the stream. And then Fridays at 2 p.m. Central, we all get together for a live stream discussion where you can chime in with us via the chat. So this week, we're going to be discussing... Summer of Soul, which is a 2021 Best Documentary winner, and that's going to be February 16th at 2 p.m. Central. So watch the movie, log on, and let's chat about it. And when you join our Patreon, you get ad-free episodes, monthly live stream Q&As, quarterly live bonus content, weekly audio bonus content like Judge Christie, True Crime Headlines, Am I the Asshole, and more, monthly mini-isodes like the one you heard here today, merch discounts year-round for getting into it and ruling the airwaves to your members, and a community of the absolute best listeners on the whole entire internet. Remember, join before February 29th to get the most annual savings. Perks vary by tier. For all of our recent patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show, and make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-outs. You can also head to Sinisterhood.com and click Shop on the top banner to check out Sinisterhood merch, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. And don't forget, if you're a patron, to use those discount codes located in the pinned post on Patreon. And while you're over on our website, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description for sources used during our research. You also find fun things like topic-based playlists, and when we go on tour, we'll have links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Sinisterhood Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, check out video versions of the episodes and clips from some of our bonus content over on Patreon, where the most recent one is Christy telling me her Freaky Friday story that apparently happened while I was there, and she didn't tell me. Uh, so the video version of it just shows my shock and dismay as I'm learning it in real time with all of our listeners who are on the live stream at youtube.com slash Sinisterhood Podcast. We're also on TikTok. There's a clip over there as well. And uh, if you would like a cameo from us, which is a custom video shout out, head to cameo.com slash Sinisterhood and let us deliver a message like happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever you want to the person that you love. And don't forget to follow Christy on social media at Christy M. Wallace on Instagram and threads and Christy or GTFO on TikTok. I am pretty much everywhere online at Heather versus the world. It feels weird to say this because it's not my line, but I'm marching onward because I love you all. As always, the devil rolls the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Sage King, Brooke Caldwell, Amy Scott, Elena Correa, Victoria Vasquez, Shelby Ann, Courtney, Lisa Kiea, Nicholas Gurgler, Jenna, Jennifer Gathergood, Heather Bairton, Morgan Nace, Michelle Belmer, Zoe Newbro, Robin Hill, Christina S., and Shelly Hofstetter. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. We could not do this without you. We sincerely appreciate you so much. We can't wait to see you at an upcoming live stream and chat with you in real time. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. I miss Christy.